This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my gosh. Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it. Players, coaches, insiders. Let's go. And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy duddies. Now, swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. Horsing around, finally horsing around in the regular season. Been waiting for this for months. I'm Andrew Mason. Across the table from me, Andy Lindahl. You're wearing a Broncos cap, a State of Colorado shirt. It's Joe Colorado. Can we can we hit up a local brand? Is that all right? Go for it. Go for it. They're good. They're good folks. Yo Colorado. Check okay. them out. They got great hats. I'll show you one of the hats in the car. Although. This is totally off track, but you're used to this by now. It truly is now an Andrew Mason, Andy Lindahl podcast with Didn't this. Didn't take long. I bought a hat that has the Colorado flag, but the Bronco color scheme, thinking it'd be cool to wear an orange and blue 760. But it's the old, it's the flat bill. I thought it was classic bend a bill, and I don't think I can do it, Andrew. Wait, you can't bend a flat bill? No. See? I got it in the car, man. I'll show it to you. No, I've tried it. It ruins uh, it. I don't think I, I'm too old to wear it when you say. Isn't there an yeah, age group you where you can't do that? You're on the other side of 40, right? Yeah. 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 You can't pull off flat bill once you're over 40. I'm going to have to send Sorry. it back. Sorry, Yo Colorado. I love your stuff, but it doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, maybe this will inspire them to make a curved bill for us. Well, I do have one. I, I have an awesome looking one, but I, I wanted the Bronco colored one. Yes, I don't blame you. You're very Maybe particular. I'll go get it and make you vote on it. Maybe I'll make you put it on. I'll step back. I'll see if it's okay. Of course, then they may not take it back now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not been worn yet. Just know that. Hey, once the hat is mine, I make it my own. I would tell you, again, this is so <laughs> off the rails that we're not even two minutes in. You've heard the story about Treadwell grabbing my brand new cap, bending the bill, and putting it on his head before I ever wore it. Yes. We talked about that, right? Yeah. He should still be in Maine. Like, he owes me a hat. Yeah. He owes me 40 bucks for the hat, does he not? Yeah, once the hat's been taken, that's it. I mean, I'm sorry. What, what if he didn't shampoo in the morning? And right. There's all sorts of Thank gunk you. on there. It's, I want to put it on a virgin. It needs to be a virgin hat ring to go on ahead. I don't want to think that you, and I'm sure maybe some other people tried it on, mm-hmm. but I don't want to know. The problem is that I know it's the knowledge that's the issue, Andrew. Yes. It's the knowledge that you wore it before me that leads to the problem. At least you didn't have chicken pox because my wife informed me that if I wore a hat while I had chicken pox, <laughs> the hat was basically done. You had really? to get rid of it. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I had a couple of hats that when I had chicken pox in 2010, I couldn't wear them again. And I said, what if I wash him? She's like, no, it's not good enough. And that's a doctor talking, so I figured she was right. Hats are great, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, I would wear one every day if I could. In fact, I usually do. Uh, Are you to the point like I am where your wife basically is like so angry when you buy another hat? Yeah, she's like, do you really need this? Uh, Yeah, it's the same question. I probably have six or seven dozen. Yeah. And half of those are Atlanta Braves caps. How many do you think you probably should get rid of, but you don't because of sentimentality? You know that thing oh. is so sweated in, you can't put it on again. There is a hat. It's a Braves fitted hat that I got of, at all places, Shea Stadium in 2000. I wanted to say, hey, you know, this was the Braves rival at the time, the Mets. They had to win that night, and I bought a hat there. And I still have it. And this thing, I mean, it is stiff as a board. It is the nastiest thing you could possibly imagine, and yet I still have it in my closet. Oh, I got one of those. It's one of the Super Bowl champ hats. Yeah. And I mean, literally. Now, we're not talking sweat. about 50. We're talking about 32. Yeah, yeah. Or 32 and 33. Yep. The original. Yeah, it's been well worn. It's been loved. Anyway. I have a Super Bowl 32 hat that someone gave me a few years later. I've never worn it. You it's know what my wife display. found the other day? 
She what? was cleaning out under the bed. Yeah. And I still have I still have the uh, Denver posts from the two Super Bowl victory Mondays. You didn't frame them? Not yet. You should. Well, now I've got the man cave. You know, I'm trying to get the man cave together. We probably will get that figured out. I've got the Denver Post from Super Bowl 50 in my man cave with Vaughn Miller. And then one that's got the picture of the parade a couple days later. I'll be honest with you. in my man cave. That tells you how much times have changed. When I got back from that, I did not even think to go get those. Of course, we weren't in town the next day, right? True. But, I mean, you just it's not the same. I mean, I guess, sadly, it's why paper's going out of business. When I was in... High school, and I think you went through the same thing. I told you every Bronco article, like I would, I would scour the sports section looking for a mm-hmm. Bronco article at lunch in college every day. And mm-hmm. if I didn't find one, the paper was useless to me today. I used to buy three papers the day after every Bucks game, win or lose, just because I wanted to read every angle about yep. every game. When I was in middle school and high school, and so I'd have like two sports section, two or three sports sections in my backpack. At school, reading them at lunch. This I is was how like much you. of a nerd I, I was. When we had, when we were a two-paper town, yeah. I'd get the post, I'd get the news, and then I'd try to find someone who'd leave a USA Today around, you know, I went to Metro. Yes. Around campus or something. So Those were now, the days. Yeah. Now now you get it on the <laughs> iPad, right? Exactly. You get it another way. I mean, I, I've got my laptop in my bag here. On my laptop is everything I need for a fantasy draft that we are doing in a short while and if you listen to orange and blue 760 over the next three months you're going to hear way too much about our staff fancy league a lot of crap talking so let me ask you if i draft a quarterback at two is it going to make your head spin a little bit well be ready have that thing limber i'm waiting to see who take who's taking it one i am giving serious thought to a quarterback at three you pick ahead of me this is going to be fun because you're either Depend, we're doing a snake draft, so Andy's either picking ahead of me or behind me oh, yeah. in every round. So you better not have your eyes on Aaron Rodgers because that's who I'm considering depending on who goes number one. I'm just warning you now so you can get over it. Crap. <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers pretty much tells Mike McCarthy what offense he's running at all times. So anyway. And he has a tight end, the likes of which he's never had before. And yeah. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. And that's going and to make things even wilder for him. So... Dad, come in. I guess great minds and fools, right? I'm going to go in another direction. Yeah. Maybe Although by the end better. of the year, if he gets hurt three games in, you're going to be like, Andy, why'd you do that? That was the dumbest decision ever. <laughs> so anyway. I, w- I won't be too hard on you because I want him anyway. So it is week one. We can talk about a football game. We can talk about a football game that counts. We've been waiting for this since last December. But can we? Well, we will. No, well, I'm telling you, I mean, if you look, Andrew Mason, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have any idea how the season is going to go enough to go bet money in Vegas for either the Seahawks or the Broncos with so many unknown variables, then you are a better man than me. Because I'm not sure I really have a true gut feel how either team's season is really going to be. There are some magnificent buildings in Las Vegas on the Strip. And they were all built by people who thought they knew what was going to be happening in the upcoming NFL season. They thought, and they thought wrong. And they bet on it, and they lost. 
and because of that, you can stay in any number of fine five-star resorts for relatively affordable rates. <laughs> you know what you can do? You can do as I once did when I was covering the Arena Bowl. You can walk out to the street. You can see a building that looks so close. You think, hey, I can walk there. That's not a problem. In the minutes. desert heat. Yeah, and 30 minutes later, you realize this thing is massive, and I was about two miles away. And you but spend, it was a good weight loss plan. And, and you spend half that time walking in the casino, in the building. Yeah, where it smells like feet, by the way. <laughs> I hate casinos. So anyway. Anyhow. <laughs> Back to the Seahawks I don't Broncos. Know. I Yeah. Now, we did our season-long projections on 1st and 10, 10 Thursday morning. Steve Atwater, the eternal optimist, said 12 and 4. Ryan Edwards said 10 and 6. I said 9 and 7. All of us had the Broncos in the playoffs. I had the Broncos winning a division record tiebreaker with the Chiefs at 9 and 7 to be in the postseason. I'm cautiously optimistic that this could be the case. But frankly, I don't know. And I think Seattle is another one of these teams that is cautiously optimistic, being dismissed nationally, but locally, I think there's a little more optimism in the Pacific Northwest than there is outside about the Seahawks, just like there's a bit more optimism in Colorado than precincts outside regarding the Broncos. But I don't know how this game is going to go. I need to go. I know how this game can go, and there's a clear path for the Broncos to win. But there are so many unknown factors in this game, it's hard to get a read on it. Yeah, so, and I want to get to the broader picture with you in a second because, I, I, to me, I think you talk about being dismissed nationally. The rankings I'm seeing potentially for the Broncos' offense are, to me, they're just absurd. You've I not saw one that had them 30. Anything, anything below 20, to me, is an insult. You've not paid attention to what this thing could be. But we'll see. We'll find out. We can get more into that in a second. Is it top five? No, but it's top 15. Yeah, I think it could be around there. Now, look, give it takes a few spots, positive or negative. Yeah. But to me, to think they're going to be in the 20s no. with the rookies they've added, with Case Keenum there, with the receiving group that they have, with what could be a very good tight end in Jake Butt that I'm still hopeful for. I realize people are upset they haven't seen what they wanted to in the preseason. I'm going to put it to you this way. I was told by a buddy, and I, I think I made the reference to you on the air. When people talk about vanilla offenses, I've said, I think of vanilla ice cream. Mm -hmm. This thing was so bland that we saw it was milk. I think I've dropped that line on you before. It might as well have been milk. They showed us so little. I think there's a plan in place for Jake Butt, and I think people need to understand that you have not seen. They don't want you to see, I think, what their best fastball is going to look like. So all that said, Andrew. I think this is going to be a very good offense. But you and I have, I mean, how many, this is our third year doing podcasts together? Yes. You and I know, I mean, watching the NFL forever, especially in the last decade, especially when they started dialing back the amount of time they spent practicing together, I don't know what to expect out of the first month of the season anymore because teams just don't, they don't use the preseason the way they used to. Guys are rusty starting the year and trying to get into football shape. So to be honest with you, this could be a great game for them. It could be a stinker of a game. I don't know that either would surprise me. I don't think they can afford a stinker, though. No, I agree with you. They need a fast start. Looking at this schedule, that middle stretch that starts with the Rams at home, Arizona following immediately after on Thursday night at Kansas City, Houston at home, and I think Houston, if they avoid injuries, can be very good. They can have a bye, but then at the Chargers, home against the Steelers, that's a six-game stretch that could make or break you, and you need to start off 4-1 and one because let's say you do go 2-4 and four in those six games, for example. You need to have enough wins tucked away like acorns 
to where you can make the most of what I think is a very favorable December going at Cincinnati, at San Francisco, Cleveland home, at the Raiders. And if the Raiders go the way I think they might, they might be checking out by that point. Hey, they may check out beginning of December. And their fans might check out. That's not really talked about all that much in the midst of the Cleo Mack trade. But you just traded one of your best players. No, let me change that. Your best player for assets that you won't see realized until you get to Las Vegas. How do you think those fans in Oakland feel? Oh, I know how they feel. They've been tweeting how they feel, and it's betrayed. It's yes. real simple. Uh, I so will... that, so, and then Chargers at home in Week 17. That's a December schedule you can work with and make some hay. I want to back up your point, too. Tyler Columbus pointed something out on the air this week that really got me thinking. For all of us that think, ah, don't worry about the first one. Now, you know, to me, it's a home game, and you got to win your home games. And if you subscribe to that theory, and to me, if you're going to be a playoff team, you got to win most, if not all, of your home games. Yes. We, we know that, especially with how poorly this team's performed on the road in the last couple of years and last year in particular. You weren't even competitive in most of your road games last year. It was just it just was very tough to watch. Even when you started playing better against the Redskins, not very competitive when you think about that second half. So all that being said, Tyler Columbus pointed this out. He said one of the reasons why you've got to have this game is, at best, at best, to have that hope for the playoffs, if you're not going to get the division, you can afford maybe two home losses. And you just pointed it out. The Rams are coming to town. Now, maybe things go off the tracks. Maybe it's the Philadelphia situation where you sign the super team and for whatever reason they just don't jive in the locker room. But my guess is the Rams are going to be pretty good and pretty formidable. So that is one that you cannot put the automatic W by in the win column because it's a home game like you used to be able to do in the past, Andrew. you got to have this one. you got to have this one because you know there's a pretty good chance if a, w, if a loss comes at home, it usually comes to something fluky happening against a divisional team. Yeah, and you mentioned the Rams game. Pittsburgh comes in Thanksgiving weekend, and obviously the Le'Veon Bell stuff is in the news right now, but he will be back by then. You're not going to get the Steelers at – three-quarters strength, 80%. You're going to get them at full strength in all likelihood in that game on Thanksgiving weekend. And then Houston is one that could be a very dicey game at home to start November. So that's three games that you know you you may not win. And so you have to take advantage of the games where you're on even terms and at home a bit better. I think Seattle and Denver are even in some ways, but the Broncos at home – being able to accelerate the tempo against a young defense that's still trying to find its way, may have some communication issues. I think the Broncos have a chance to take advantage of home field advantage in a big way in week one, but they have to do it. If not, then if they lose this game, Andy, what games on the rest of the schedule can you put in Sharpie as a W? I don't know because two of your easier opponents are Baltimore and New York, and they're both away, and they're both 11 o'clock games. And Baltimore at home that has been a trouble spot no matter how good the Ravens are Denver's had trouble there remember the 0-2 game obviously none of these Broncos were involved back then but Baltimore was having a wretched season they were playing Chris Redman at quarterback Denver was pretty good that year went 9-7 and and I believe the halftime score was 31-0 Ravens that's tough no matter what kind of team the Ravens have in a given year Baltimore's a tough place to play was that the game where Keith Burns got unfortunately blown up by Ray Lewis on that kick return on the failed field goal? Yes, at the end of the first half. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you make a great point. Baltimore is sort of the Kansas City outside the division. The yes. team that no matter what... 
whether you're Kansas City can stink, and when you go to Arrowhead, it's going to be a struggle. Yep. And I don't know why it just is. You never you never just boat race them there, right? Yeah. It's always a nip and tuck game. And Baltimore, you're absolutely right, is the same way. So. Um, to your point, look. The other thing is, you and I both know you've got to you've got to wash off last year. You got to wash it off. You got to feel positive. You got to build some momentum, and you can't do that if you come out. If you lose, we know how this town's going to react. Now we put this out on the poll. What would a loss mean? A lot right. of people told us we'll accept a loss. A lot of the fans said they'll accept a loss, but it can't look like last year. You can't look confused. You can't be taking dumb penalties, and you certainly can't have a lack of heart, is how they put it. Which, unfortunately, I can't offer any defense for when you think about the Philadelphia game, the Miami game. Um, there were just points where the Broncos just flat didn't compete last year. Uh, the L.A. game, the Charger game, where you got where you got shut out. Just, I don't think there was a lack of heart against New England, but it was, for example, that was a game that took on the same sort of flow. You had an early mistake, and it knocked you off kilter, and you couldn't ever get back on track. And guys started trying to do too much because yeah. the defense felt like they had to make a play that is out of the ordinary. You can't panic when one thing goes wrong early. But don't you think Case Keenum's going to solve that? Don't you think Case Keenum, at least offensively, offensively is going to come in yes. here? And take care of the, all right, guys, we're fine. I think offensively he solves it. I think on special teams, Tom McMahon solves it. Defensively, I don't think they had that problem. They just mm-hmm. got to keep grinding. Although, you know what, here's Field the Field position thing. was a problem, but you figure if the offense protects the ball in case Keenum has single-digit interceptions like he did last year, they're not going to be dealing with having to go on the field in their own territory as often as they did last year. Now, I will say this. You know what I am curious to see? Because, you know what, I think this is a good secondary I think they're going to gel well. I think you're set up to have a lot of your stars of the future already in this secondary. I love Justin Simmons. I love Chris Harris. Excited about Bradley Roby. Hopefully he plays well enough to be kept around for a while. I've always loved East Stu. I think he's one of the most underrated, one of the most underrated free agent signings in Bronco history for yes. what he's brought and what he's provided. But all that said, you don't have a keep to leave to take on the big receiver. And, and as we go back to this game, I think we get an early look. How does Denver solve, with Brandon Marshall out there, who covers the big guy, and can you do it effectively? And Brandon Marshall isn't Brandon Marshall of years past, but he's still a physical mismatch. I talked to Chris Harris. Now, Chris had said, I'm not worried about it, but he said, that guy's definitely, you got to play him a little bit different. So, I mean, do you do play you, him with a linebacker or the dimebacker? Well, do, you, do we see more of Justin Simmons coming up and being more of a coverage guy this year? Because he's got the body, he's got the David Bruton kind mm-hmm. of length and height to him. Well, I've been thinking about that because when you had Sua Cravens, sometimes I thought, okay, if you're going to get your six best defensive backs on the field, it may well involve Justin Simmons on the slot. And then having Stewart, Will Parks, or Daimonte Thomas, and uh, and Sua Cravens, with Cravens as the dimebacker. Now... Cravens is out. Is that something you can go to? That depends, I think, frankly, on how much faith you have in Will Parks and Diamante Thomas to both play bigger roles than you imagined, especially Diamante Thomas. Now, he showed promise against Washington. He looked good, did well against Vernon Davis. Does he do as well if he goes against Jordan Reed? Travis Kelsey. You might see Hayden Hurst in week three. He's a rookie, but he can do athletically what some of those guys that you mentioned can do. Jared Cook for the Raiders. I mean, yep. 
You know, and what about an, what about Amari Cooper? What about the fact, I think we've all forgotten because of all the usual villains that I'll call them in Kansas City, the guys that have ruined your hearts and <laughs> ruined our Christmas a couple years ago, the Travis Kelsey's, the Tyree Kills, now Kareem Hunt. Don't forget, that team's got Sammy, Sammy Watkins, Watkins now. I think we've all forgotten there's a very big receiver who, if he stays healthy, and if Patrick Mahomes doesn't look like a first-year starter, you could have real problems there. Now, I don't know if they have enough defense to stop anybody. It could be like arena football back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that you've got some matchup issues if you're not careful with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes has to make good reads, and if he does, and if he doesn't force the ball into bad situations, he should be able to clean up because with those four guys, somebody's going to be open. That's where your pass rush has got to get there. Yeah. Got to get there. And it has to get there without blitzing, without sacrificing Amen. coverage. Back in 2015, that's what they did. They didn't have to blitz that often because you could get the pressure with four, occasionally five. Do you think Demarcus Walker, after what we saw this preseason, is ready to help with more of that middle pass rush? You know, I don't worry about a Chubb and a Miller and Shane Ray, and I think you know the outside rush is coming from this team. Mm. But as much as we've talked about this year, making sure that you've kind of got the balance to Vaughn Miller, don't you need some balance to Derek Wolf with that pass rush too? Because, again, what made the 2015 defense so special, you had Wolf and Malik coming. Two big angry men that knew how to push the middle of that pocket. You were hoping that Adam Gotsis would get there, and he could still get there. He's in year three, the same point that Malik Jackson was when he really took the step forward. I hope he can. But I think Demarcus Walker has a better chance of filling that role on sub-package downs. Now, what's interesting, does Demarcus Walker get a jersey? Because John Elway mentioned last Saturday he's dressing five defensive linemen. Who is the guy that doesn't get a jersey? It may depend on situations. Some weeks it could be Demarcus Walker. Maybe some weeks it's Zach Kerr, who's a rotational backup. I don't know. See, I like Shelby Harris, um, and maybe I'm— And he was actually second on the team in sacks last year. So it's—I uh, don't know, Andrew. It's going to be fun. Like you said, at least now we're, we're talking about it for real. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not speculating. We're not whatever. I'm just happy this is finally going to be for real, uh, and I'm just happy football's here. I am too. And before we go, last segment of this podcast, stay tuned. I chat with— a few members of the Denver media ask him a very simple question that I'm going to ask you. So actually, it's not a question. It's a fill-in-the-blank. The Broncos make the playoffs if blank happens. I'll start with you. The Broncos make the playoffs if the offensive line is improved as we think and if Bradley Chubb is what they drafted him to be. If those two t- things come to fruition... I think Bradley Chubb provides the pass rush and that scariness of the both edges of the pocket collapsing, like mm-hmm. we saw at DeMarcus Ware a la 2015. I think this secondary is good enough to make that hold up, and I think it makes the linebackers better. And the offensive line, to me, is the key to everything because I could throw at you injuries, but you know what? Here's the one thing. We talked about it. We talked about this on our show this week. The offensive line, and Trevor brought on some of his problems last year himself, mm-hmm. but to put it all on Trevor I think is unfair. Trevor was a kid that when 2016, go back and look at the games, he knew where he wanted to go with the football, and he was getting rid of the football quicker, and then the hits started coming, and they kept coming. And then in 2017, the fatal final blow to me was the one where Melvin Ingram got the free run, Trevor got blasted, yeah. and started seeing ghosts. Never so the same after that. If they're better, 
I think Case Keenum continues to be the guy that gets rid of the ball so quickly he helps his offensive line, and they can go forward. If, I, if we can get the run game going because the offensive line is better, and Royce Freeman, I think, has a better feel for things. I think he's just he's one of those natural running backs that you were lucky to find. I think he plays a factor. But the whole offense, it all starts with the offensive line. And if they're better, and I think they are, then I think a special, at least special as far as making the playoff season is ahead, and maybe even a division. Because look, I can mm-hmm. see him going ten wins, Andrew. Yep. And if they go ten wins, that might give you the division. Depends on the Chargers. It might. Now I Bosa, have... hey, did you see Bosa could be questionable this weekend? Yeah. I'm not sure he's going to play. They could get off to a slow start. The Chargers could. They also draw a quarterback making his second career start on Sunday, and they get him at home. Although there'll be a lot of Chiefs fans. For me, the fill in the blank is. Case Keenum has 11 or fewer turnovers for the interceptions year? and fumbles okay. for the year. Somebody emerges as a number two pass rusher to take pressure off Vaughn Miller, and I'm talking at least seven sacks. Maybe that's Chubb, maybe that's Shane Ray, but somebody else gets seven sacks, and Vaughn Miller, of course, has double-digit sacks. And finally, it sort of ties into Case Keenum, a positive turnover margin. Which means that the defense needs to force some things, too. How many wins do you think that adds up to? If you get all, all the things you laid out, what's the record? Nine and seven at worst. Eleven and five on the top end. I think a very good chance that you're playing in January. And getting that one-game scenario where maybe Von Miller goes off, even if you're on the road, you can, you know, this team, if this, if it has a good defense, as our friend Jeff Legwald likes to say, defense travels. So. Especially in the playoffs. Yep. So let's hear from some of the people I caught up with. I'm going to start with Corey Lopez of KOA. The Broncos make the playoffs if blank happens. Wow, that's a great question. I got two answers, but I'll give you my best one first. If Case Keenum plays like he did last year, I know that's the simple answer, but I'm going to throw this out. If the secondary, the young guys in the secondary, step up and play good, they don't play great, but play good. Yadam plays well. Tremaine Brock plays well. Adam Jones is a bit of a surprise. That's the harder question, and I think if that happens, they make the playoffs. Arnie Stapleton? Associated Press. If the offensive line keeps Case Keenum healthy and upright and gives him room to step into his throws because he's as accurate as anybody in the league. James Palmer, NFL Network. They don't turn the football over. I think that's the only thing that really matters and that we've seen change the trajectory of their last two seasons was the way the quarterback specifically turned the football over. It changes the defense. It changes the defense's mentality, which many players have told me, when you have to go and have a short field repeatedly. If Case Keenum protects the football the way he did last season, and that in turn means he was probably protected well at the same time, they make the playoffs if he has single-digit interceptions. Ryan Konigsberg, BSN Denver. I think they make the playoffs if Case Keenum can have a comparable season to last year it doesn't have to be last year he can take even you know a step back um, but as long as he shows that he's not the guy he was before last season and and he becomes a guy that's more than just a journeyman and and he can really 
build off of what he did last year, even if he doesn't have the same numbers or anything like that, if he can be the starting quarterback of this team and not look like a backup playing starting quarterback like it's looked like for the last two years for the Broncos, I think they can make the playoffs. Zach Stevens, BSN Denver. If the running backs are average, that's it. The running backs just have to be average. Just look to last year. Only one team that didn't have average or better running back play didn't or made the playoffs. That one team, the Pittsburgh Steelers with Le'Veon Bell. So it shows you you got to have average running back play. If that happens, Case Keenum's going to be fine. The offense is going to be fine enough for the good defense to carry him to the playoffs. Thanks to those guys for chiming in, and I think one thing you have to take note of in their responses is how offensive-centric they are. Now, you can make some nods to the defense, but I think even with the changes, there is an expectation that Denver's defense should still be at minimum above average. The questions do linger about the offense. The best way for the offense to answer them all is to come out and play as well against Seattle and beyond as they did during training camp in the preseason. There were moments when that offense looked very good. If it can carry them forward into the regular season, the Broncos may have a different equation for success, but one that's a bit more balanced and certainly allows them to shake the woes that dogged them on offense the past two years. We start finding out more on Sunday. Until next time, this is Andrew Mason saying thank you for joining us on Horsin' Around. This has been another edition of Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horse and Around.